0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of After School with Dylan Mack. Today, we're interviewing Alice Ho, who's a co-director of Breast Cancer Clinical Research Unit at Duke University Medical Center. Today, we talk about how she got into the business and the medical field in general, her childhood and upbringing and her past interests, what she does on a daily basis, and advice she has for younger kids figuring out what they want to do, just like me. If you'd like to support me further, please go to my Instagram, website, or Patreon and support me there. Thank you, and enjoy. Hello, Alice. Uh... Thank Hi you so Dylan. much for being on the podcast today with me. It means a lot. So for the, the listeners listening in, wherever they are, um just you know, give them the full the full rundown, you know? Everything okay. and everything. Yeah. Like for example, just just to start us off, just uh say what you do right as of now, you know, what your career is.
1: So right as of now, I am a radiation oncologist. And what that means is uh, we use x-rays in a therapeutic manner, basically to break the DNA of cancer cells and prevent cancer cells from growing. So there are different types of x-rays, different strengths. If you are a radiologist, you're using x-rays to diagnose a problem. But in my field, I'm using x-rays to actually treat cancer.
0: So this is to, this is like to solve a problem.
1: It's to solve a problem. Even if you are a radiologist, you're still helping to solve a problem by diagnosing it because you can't solve a problem unless you know what the problem is. But with what I do, the diagnosis has already been made. So I know that there has been a diagnosis of cancer. And I'm using those x-rays to shrink the tumors and prevent those tumors from coming back.
0: So, I I just got to ask, like, was this something... Okay, well, before that, we always ask, uh, or I always ask, a signature question on the podcast. Okay. And it's, imagine, well, for one, where did you... Actually, we'll talk about all that, like your childhood. So, yeah, so paint a picture for me, right? You're... You're, it's like a, it's like a Tuesday. Like I like to say Tuesday, but it's any day of the week. You're you're um, you're like a sophomore, junior in high school around my age.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you just got back from school. Like like, what are you doing? You know, trying to like trying to see like, would you go straight to your homework? You know, what hobbies did you have? Like you yeah. know, what was early you you know doing? I guess.
1: So early me, so I grew up in Seattle, Washington, I attended private school. Um, it was a school that was very much known for its athletics and its high rate of matriculation into Ivy League school. So I feel like I came from a very privileged background in that so you, sense.
0: So you were aiming for like a good college, even as a kid, or was it well, more of your parents?
1: parents you know, idea. I don't I think that my parents sent me to these schools with the purpose of aiming high and I think that I don't think that they directly said you have to go to X Y and Z but just by being around people who achieved those things and worked really hard I would say that is what had the biggest impact on me. So as a teenager, there's what your parents tell you, and there's what you see your peers doing and achieving. And I would say it's the latter that really um, inspires kids. Anyway, that's what inspired me.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so what what hobbies do you have? What like you know were you always into
1: like well, medicine, and no, the medical I, I, field? I was, no, not at all. I was
0: not at all.
1: Actually, very bad. At science, I got C's, and I just didn't think it was that interesting. Like, I didn't really find studying about the cell or like physics. That, yeah, I didn't find that relevant to my life really at all. I like the arts. I like humanities. I like writing. I like but, learning so
0: ev- everything else except the sciences. Really. yeah, everything
1: else is great, but science. You know the way they what they teach in high school, um, I mean that's necessary, but it doesn't really show you what medicine is like. So I had the goal of becoming a journalist, um, like Connie Chung. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she was the first really prominent Asian anchor woman. I know, I can't believe you've never heard of her, but that's okay. (laughs) She's the first famous anchor woman, Asian American anchor woman. And so I always had the idea of becoming a journalist because I was good at writing. I liked investigating. Um, You know, I liked the idea of like visiting places and reporting on a story and like the excitement. So that was my plan. And I went to, I decided to go to Brown University, um, which of course wasn't good enough for my parents. They were like, what's Brown? We've never really? heard of Brown, Brown. We've heard of Harper, but we've not heard of Brown. And I said, well, yeah, it's, it's a little different, but I'd like to go to Brown. I think that would fulfill my needs. So would well. you say
0: there was a lot of pressure to do well from your parents?
1: Well, yes. I mean, I'm the oldest, so I put more of that pressure on myself, I would say, than my parents per se. But my parents didn't expect me to just like, waste away my effort. So I think it was a combination of being the oldest, having my parents um, you know, provide for me really in every way that I
0: I think overall it was very like supportive and other people I've talked to on the podcast have been like either my parents they regret that their parents like did it like didn't push them more and show them new things. And some people said it was too much pressure that they honestly rebelled yeah. against and they were like, you know, I'm not going to become a lawyer. I'm going to become a chef or whatever. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, so, so I, I like I don't, to... it's true. I didn't get along with my parents in high school for sure. Like we definitely clashed, but that had nothing to do with my goals for myself and what I wanted to do actually. And so I had planned to become a journalist and I went to Brown. I majored in English. Um, And there were a lot of Korean kids there, Korean-Americans. I'm Korean-American. And I had never seen so many Korean-American kids before. And it was really interesting. I was drawn to them because culturally, you know, we share that same bond. Yeah. Right. But pretty much 80% of them were pre-met. And I thought, huh. Am I missing out here? Maybe I should be pre med. Really? Yeah. Like, what's going on here? And I took a bio class. It's like a very standard bio class at Brown. It's called Bio 20. I still remember. Humongous class, thousands of kids in it. I did really badly, really badly. And I was like, wow, I'm not good at this. And I even remember I, I had this Korean American roommate who was like valedictorian from her public school. In Southern California. She grew up in a really poor family, but obviously was a stellar student. Yeah. Very yeah. different background from me. And I don't think she was trying to be cruel, but these these words still um resonate. Like I remember. And she was like, You're not the pre-med type. And I was thinking, really, what what is the pre-med type?
0: That sounds that's a little cruel. I mean, were you were you guys yeah. friends? Were you friends? I mean I guess you're roommates. Yeah, well, so. We were
1: friends, we were friends, but I mean to this day I remember her saying that. And I thought, well, I'm gonna check out what this premed thing means.
0: So you you, you took uh-huh. it like almost a challenge or were you like
1: A little bit of a challenge. I mean, if I don't like something, I won't do it. But what happened is that first summer between freshman and sophomore year, I took a trip to North Korea with my father because we had a who was left behind. Yeah, so it was really a unique experience to be able to go to this, like the most tightly regulated country in the world. And this really has nothing to do with medicine. However, that is where I really knew that I wanted to make an impact in my work in a very direct way. You can help the world and people in so many ways. You don't have to be a doctor to do it. And I it's not like I really even saw anybody with a disease there because they were very careful about like allowing what I could see and what I couldn't. But something during that clicked for me and I realized there's something just about human connection and medicine that made me want to explore it but I knew that I was behind and I knew that I had less background than anybody else it must have been pretty
0: like demotivating at the time then huh
1: it was demotivating I knew I knew that I had to make up for things. I knew that I had to sacrifice.
0: Especially medical, like it's a lot of schooling.
1: Mm -hmm. I kind of had to rewire my brain in a way. So I thought in a way that is not necessarily advantageous when it comes to doing well on science tests or science classes. So I kind of had to dewire my brain and then rewire it again. And that was painful. That was um, humbling. Um and slowly my grades got better, not overnight. Sophomore year I did better. Junior year I did even better. And by senior year I was getting straight A's. However, Wait, so
0: you switched your majors or you were just taking a you No,
1: know, I mean you don't have to major in biology. I, to... I don't really
0: know how college mm-hmm. works too well.
1: Yeah, I, I majored in English, I minored in music, but I just had to get good grades in my pre-med courses, right? And that was a bit of a challenge. So um, by the time I graduated from Brown, my grades had improved vastly, but they weren't good enough compared to people who had done well from freshman year. Years more, yeah. So I did a post back. I stayed behind and I took Harvard Extension School classes for a year. And I took biochemistry, I took immunology, and I showed that I had the capacity to actually grasp those classes, you know.
0: And now, what did you, were your parents supportive of the whole medical thing from the start? or?
1: No, no, not really. But not to be mean. They weren't unsupportive of me. They just didn't want to see me suffer. Like, for parents, it's easier if your kid kind of slides into things. And they were like, "This is obviously not your natural thing. So why do wow, you A lot go- of people why said that to go- you, huh? Yeah, why do you want to go against the current? And my mom, who I loved, but I still remember what she said, she was like, "Even if you do succeed in becoming a doctor one day, you're going to be one of those doctors who are followers. How do you know you're going to be a doctor who's going to ever be a leader?" <laughs> and my dad <laughs> said, my dad said, "Why don't you go and become a dentist instead?" And nothing against dentists, but I'm just not interested in teeth. So it was a challenge. And the first time I applied, I didn't get in anywhere. And when that happens, like the cards are just stacked against you because they know that it wasn't successful the first time around. So you have to show that something changed the second time around. You apply. Let me shut the door. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, no worries. Okay. So it's almost like the expectations are higher now because they're like, what um, would you say like you have to stand out state. more?
1: Yeah, my parents were like, look, if you don't get in the second time, you have to do something else. Like you can't keep trying, you're wasting time. And they, they they, were coming at it from like a parental point of view. Like you can't keep trying forever, right? And it gets discouraging. And I them. guess that's fair,
0: right? You know,
1: That's fair. Well, what I remember is it only takes one, meaning it only takes the so whole life. I've always had one choice, and that's made it very easy for me to make decisions because if there's only one really accepting of you, that's where you go, right? And so I remember when I applied to college, only one quote-unquote, good college accepted me. That was Brown. That's why I went to Brown. When I applied to medical school, only one school accepted me. It was Tufts. That's why I went to Tufts. And when I applied for jobs, it's not like I... It's like, why don't you come? This is a good fit. It was just an example that's why I'm here. So it only takes one. The people who have multiple choices, good for them, that's great. But I always tell my students who are applying, if you have more than one interview for medical school, that's great. But in the end, if you only have one, you only have two, that's okay. It only takes one. Yeah, so then, sorry, no, sorry, yeah, you're, like, it, for some reason, the audio keeps lagging
0: out, so I'm just catching up.
1: It's okay.
0: Um, so then, so then, did you know you wanted to become, like, an oncologist? From, like, when did you, like, make that decision?
1: Nope, I didn't. Um... And did you have,
0: like, something before that you wanted to become, or were you just interested in... No, no, I
1: I mean... Just no dentist, that's all, no
0: dentist, that's really... That was the only thing on your list.
1: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) the first two years of medical school are just taking classes. You start rotating like internal, this or that. You start getting a sense of what appeals to you and your lifestyle and things like that. I was fascinated by surgery. I really like the idea of like cutting somebody open, taking something out, closing it up. It's very like concrete. There's a problem. There's a tumor. You go in, you take it out, you sew it up. You're done. I like that, but it wasn't practical because I'm someone who needs to eat three meals a day and sleep seven to eight hours a night. And
0: you don't get that as like a surgeon
1: nowadays you do. So back when I was training residents had it very hard. Um, I didn't think I could survive the residency because it was a lot of sleepless nights. Once you make it past residency, you don't you barely really have to take call. Residents and fellows do pretty much all of it. Um, however, um, back then, I was interested in cancer, but I just didn't think I could sustain that kind of lifestyle. So I chose to go into radiation oncology because that's something that integrates. Knowledge of the anatomy um, with graphics, which is you know the radiologic part of it, um, like seeing the and seeing where the normal organs are and seeing where like how radiation you can take your your knowledge of physics and learn how to kind of modulate the dose of radiation so that it focuses on the tumor but it stays away from normal tissues that are surrounding the tumor. So it's very, like, it's very interesting because you are tailoring a treatment plan so that you're focusing the dose where you want it to be focused, but keeping it away from the organs you don't want it to go. So it re- it requires knowledge of physics to do that, too.
0: So it kind of had a little bit of, like, everything you like.
1: Yeah, a little bit of everything. It also allowed patient interaction. When you're a radiologist that's diagnosing you, you don't ever have to talk to the patient. But for radiation, these patients, they get side effects. So you have to see them and develop a relationship with them. And I like that.
0: You do like that. I do. I remember talking to someone and they said they... I don't know. Is that like... Okay, like this might be... I don't know. Like talking to them. It's not always like... Like, I don't know how to say that. Like, it it doesn't seem like it's always the greatest news, right? So isn't that, like, does it ever, like, like mentally affect you? Or is it, like, you're pretty okay with it? Well,
1: by the time they get to me, they already know me. I'm not, so they're I'm kind okay of... because I'm not the one breaking the news to them. The news has been broken.
0: Okay, got it.
1: So I'm at the point where they know and they're receiving a part of treatment with me. Usually the radiation is the last part of it. So even. Normally
0: you're like the positive, the positive part, which is, I guess that's good. Or you want to say that?
1: I, I'm the last part, <laughs> you know, there's surgery, there's chemotherapy, there's radiation. Yeah. I'm the last leg of that journey where they have to finish it to complete their treatment. And they're exhausted because they've had surgery. They've had chemo. They're very tired. Of course. Um, But I'm like, look, you're almost done. It's the last part. And this is a preventive thing. Radiation is something where, like the tumor has been taken out. You're just giving radiation to prevent it from coming back. You're addressing those microscopic tiny little cells that you can't see with the human eye or detect with any x-rays. You're treating an area that you know used to have cancer. And you're preventing it from coming back. So it's like an insurance policy.
0: I was just curious, like what does an average day look like for you? I know I know you've done a, oh, and speaking you do you, Yeah, like yeah. You I know you've done a million things, but yeah, like I guess yeah, as of now, what what does an average day look like for you?
1: Well what I love is that my average day is different every day and so there are some days where i just see patients um that's maybe two out of the five and then do you see them online or you always see them in person days. i should um, see them in
0: person okay
1: uh i see them both ways now and the other three days i'm usually oh, yeah. at meetings or do doing tell research us more about your so, research i'm in meetings Yeah, sure. So I'm a physician investigator, which means that I run clinical trials that test different ways of, um, you know, treating cancer, because we're trying to find out which way is better. And the only way you can do that is by testing it in a study involving human subjects. And so I usually design these studies, I raise money to Get these studies paid for and funded, and I make sure that these are studies that are relevant to patients. These are not just things that doctors like actually, think yeah, are cool, but you're very... are things that will really make a difference. Yeah, that's good. yeah. I mean, I may think something's cool, but a patient may say that has no relevance to me, right? So, to you, what's so cool they is have to yeah, be patient-centered, patient-centered questions where okay. yeah. So it's either gonna. Help them live longer or it's going to help improve that's the great. quality of their life while they are living those are and you said two things. oh
0: yeah, yeah sorry keep going
1: so no oh, that's okay so that's what differentiates somebody in private practice from what i do um, so that what i do is academic medicine because um, my job is devoted to advancing the field through our science Whereas in private practice you're doing a great job just taking care of patients and that's all you do. So I'm sort of split all over. And the so place, it never gets I I like it
0: Overwhelming or anything. So, I mean it must obviously get, you know. Oh.
1: Well, overwhelming like 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 the number of things you have to do. It mm-hmm. does, but it, it I don't I don't it doesn't bother me, you know. It's just part of like a threat of my life. you
0: Wait, what is this? <laughs> okay, apparently Zoom's saying we've less than a minute on this meeting. Wait. Wait, no, okay. no, I'm just gonna, like, you better redo up, it, I guess. Man. I don't know why. But, yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm just gonna restart the meeting, I guess. I don't know why it's doing this. Yeah, I have some more. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna...
1: You might have some, um, you might have you a might. time. I, I like
0: I have to buy in pro, your account. but it's like $15 a month. Like, it's not that's a little much. It was never, it was never a following before. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, he's saying less than one minute, so I guess I'll yeah. do. I have to just do a new account, or oh, <laughs> no, 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 I got, I got,
1: you know what? You can do actually, right? Do this, like, um, if this runs out. Log into the Zoom room.
0: Oh my God.
1: been forwarded to an automated voice I think I'm in the,
0: the, the waiting room. Okay.
1: Dylan, you have to zoom like
0: five Are you I, I think I'm in the meeting. it said the meeting host will let you in soon. I think I'm in Alice oh. Alice's I I personal go. meeting room? Let me know. Oh yeah. my god, this is like crazy. I don't know why. I guess I'll buy it. Yeah. Um, Hold on one second. No worries. Oh, God. No, because I've, I've been, I've had podcasts like we've gone for like two room. Okay, okay. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hello? Okay, you should leave your video off. I think, unless you think your Wi Fi is back to perf. Oh, no. It's already lagging out. I think. Yeah,
1: this is the to do it yeah
0: oh my god it's so much better
1: better okay so just go on to dr alice Oh, that was always that's always the best way to do it
0: yeah well no i had a really important question i I was was. was saving it because i was like i'm not gonna ask it and it's gonna go away and now i forgot oh yeah 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 no no no, i remember um okay let's see. teaching i was i was kind of curious about that so what what do you teach and then like right. how did you get into that? Is that something you have to train for as well or is it just like volunteer like like work or
1: Well, when you're in academia Academia is about advancing science, but you can't advance anything without teaching the future and students help you. So I mean people taught me to get where I am. So it's just kind of like passing ingrained the in you or, that no, I don't know if it's that's a good part saying. of your job. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's that's why I'm doing this podcast with you too, because if you have an interest in exploring what people do and why, that's a form of teaching, right? I'm all for it. Like, um, so Sure, we'll have medical students, pre med students, people who are residents trying to become doctors, fellows. At all different levels, there are various levels of teaching required. And, like, teaching, there's formal teaching where you're like, hey, um, you know, this is the receptor status and these are the biological receptors for breast cancer. You know, that's pretty clear. But then there's also mentoring which is really important. Um, It's important to have mentors in your career and it's important to be mentors. And that's different from sponsorship, which is when people put you up for things, but you don't necessarily have talks with them when things are not going so well um, and you just need a little personal advice, but still it's really helpful that they gave you an opportunity. And there's no such thing as like one perfect mentor or sponsor. I've drawn. I've had incredible mentors from all walks of life. You vary, very so you want to become stages. one of
0: those like value. So you you value mentors a lot. That's what I'm getting.
1: I do. I think in a, I think in any field, but especially my field. It's very important, and mentorship is a two-way street. It's not just about the person receiving the mentorship asking. It's about being a good mentor back. Mentee back.
0: So, would you say you think, like, you have a passion for this? I don't know if that, that might sound like an easy, um, like, like
1: just, like, what you do now.
0: Work. Like, or, like, were you, like, you think, like, I don't, like, so there's a lot of people, like, on the podcast that I talk to, right? And this, as you know, is aimed for kids like me. Mm-hmm. Kids that are always asked, you know, what's your passion? What (laughs) do you want to do when you're older? Et cetera, et cetera, et
1: cetera. I think your passions change. I don't. The thing is, nothing's fun (laughs) until you start getting good at it, but it takes a lot of sacrifice to start getting good at it. You know what's funny? And so,
0: am I. Every single person on this podcast, I've interviewed like 10 people no one has stuck with what they originally thought they were going to do that
1: sounds about normal to me how would you I know, know like there's a you're lot of people that are like, like, age like i want to become
0: those like a, a lawyer and then he ended up becoming like some sort of fertility clinic owner like it's it's such a it's, a, it's such like you never expect it but like yeah. it's cool and like you said like those there are those stories like you said like your roommate
1: yeah. i mean i can never do what your mom is doing i want i'd like to i don't even know but my, my brain just doesn't work that like way no one does in my family um <laughs> uh, i i went to her office <laughs> once and i spied on her i sat in her crew room she looked like a very powerful person who made a lot of money and i, know, I miss her you know she's in decisions. uh switzerland now and i thought
0: I know Is she's she? not. She's not well, home. I
1: don't know if if she was home, not, I'd have her come cool. in, you know, say hi. But <laughs> it looked really cool, and I'm thinking that's not. Oh good. no, no, I it was no, it, yeah, oh, it's awesome wow, when I go in there. Really I'm
0: like Ooh, like, as a kid, I remember I'd like walk around, and like some people would be a little scared of me, and <laughs> be like, "Oh, that's that's the sun," you know. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, for advice, for like yeah, Netflix. so I I do have a bunch of friends that do listen to this. And I know some of them are into medicine, mm-hmm. maybe not exactly what you're doing, but just in general. Mm-hmm. What advice? And just in general, what advice would you give kids about you know pursuing either what they mm-hmm. either think is their passion, is their passion, or just an interest of theirs, you know? And like, this yeah. goes in questions with like, like problems that you like mentally problems that you face. How have you been able to like? Stay motivated, you know, keep at it, especially with you. You said you had to, you know, took another year, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I was on the Harvard Medical School Admissions Committee for several years. So I got a lot of experience kind of looking at what people look for. Um... I think first and foremost, if you want to be a doctor, you have to clearly show that you have empathy as a person and that you really empathize with people and just the basic act of wanting to be near sick people and helping them through a very, very difficult time in their life where they're vulnerable and that you consider that a privilege that key fundamental characteristic is not lost. You could be someone who won a, a million awards and has a perfect score in a, on your MCATs and a 4.0, but if that basic principle doesn't come across, you're not going to get in. Yeah. So empathy and the fact that you really, you will sacrifice because that's important and your ability to connect to people on a very basic level that's important. If you feel if we feel that you are saying things just to say the right things, they can but tell your heart isn't in it and you're all over the place. Yeah. Got,
0: you got you gotta really want it and not want it just for you the money be broad- or the whatever.
1: Or the title. Right. And if you've been all over the place, like there have been plenty of applicants who've won like awards in business and this and that and whatever, but like, oh yeah, I want to be a doctor at the end of the day question is, well, why? How did you get to that journey? Like, you have to be very convincing, you know, so you have to have a story. But if you're sincere, the story is pretty simple. If it's a more complex story, it's fine, as long as you can back it up. So that fundamental wanting to connect with people on a human level, and lessen people's pain, I think, is it's a requirement.
0: Would you say it's it's like never too late or would you say there's a, there's a time when like you should?
1: Nope, never too late. I've not had a single student that I've mentored not get into medical school. Not yeah, all of them show up with the same grades or the same baseline, but I've never had somebody not get in because... so as long as
0: you have the basic principles and you really want it you think you'll somehow that person will find a way Mm
1: -hmm. (sighs) that's always
0: the message i hear at the end you know if you really want it you'll find a way yep
1: you really want it you will find a way you know if you're i think what I feel bad about are the kids that are a little lost. Sometimes you don't know what oh, you yeah. want. I'm probably one of those that kids. That kind of sucks, right? Honest. There are many of those kids, but until you figure it out, be patient with yourself, you know? This gap here, I think, is a great thing. Like, that didn't exist when I went Oh, early. that's a
0: new thing? I do not even know that's a college, new thing. But I
1: think doing a A
0: lot that's of kids... a pretty I new know. thing.
1: I like it. Like people really mature into what they want to do in that gap year. Hmm.
0: Would you have taken a gap year?
1: I think it all strengthened me up. Uh, I did take oh, a gap I, year. Oh, I, mean, I it guess was that, yeah. It wasn't called that back then, but um, I did my post back. but I also went into consulting. I went into healthcare consulting and worked in New York City for a couple years. So I took three gap years. A lot. Yeah. yeah so you yeah, don't regret any I mean, you don't, I had a you good don't time, regret any experiences
0: but... i i assume like they all probably even even like the
1: no.
0: like this i mean
1: i wish i was a better student up front so i didn't have to do the post back I, mean, I bet yeah every what can you do i mean I wishes just
0: they tried harder in any you know in school in general uh, i've i've learned
1: uh yeah. Really? No, I loved high school. I would say brown. Yeah, brown meh. was more Ooh. meh kind of.
0: I heard college is supposed to be like yeah, the best brown years of your meh. life.
1: Um that- No. Mm. It was okay. I think Brown is over I think Brown is a little overrated, but it's a good mm-hmm. place I mean it's a popular place to go to school my, it's my highly dad started by like, so. graduate school so it's fun
0: he still remembers that's like, great a lot, a little...
1: um i liked it more i liked it the most <laughs> okay well that's graduated. um i think i just feel like you liked scared. it too much then huh <laughs> <laughs> i i liked it towards the end for sure um but I never gave any money or donated because I just didn't really feel an affinity towards it um ditto for my med school um
0: you still value but, i guess those experiences but yeah i
1: mean i the... i think i do i do
0: so uh, okay if i had suffered
1: from... at brown i <laughs> would suffer that's ah. <laughs> well no suffering doesn't mean that it's a bad school it just means a mean that been a good you
0: know? thing at a school
1: it's a good thing. If you sail through things, that's not necessarily The challenge. is the only way
0: to like get better, I guess. That's
1: right. It's the only way you can see your deficiencies, have learn some humility and resilience. Hmm. That's
0: the first time I've ever actually really heard that into words.
1: I mean, if everything always I guess no, because it, that's it's just
0: always want that, like people are like i wish things were going so smoothly but then i guess if things were always going so smoothly you'd never like nothing would ever happen <laughs> so that's pretty i don't know that's interesting to think about yeah. anyways i'm sorry to take up so much time thank you so much alice being
1: that's okay dylan i hope i think this is a wonderful podcast that you're doing and let me know if you have right. any other questions